Geekville Radio. Hello once again, geeks and geekettes. Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. We're coming at you with a show about a lot of trailers. We're going to talk a little bit of news, but... Really, the main talk of this episode is going to be three trailers for Shang-Chi, Snake Eyes, and Suicide Squad. They all broke within the last week or so. We're going to talk Black Panther casting. That's been rumored for quite some time. And then we will wind it up talking the first half seasons of Loki and The Bad Batch. Now, normally this would be the part where I'd say I don't have to do it alone. But, alas, I do have to do it alone. Unfortunately, a train is unable to join us uh, for this session. So I will be flying solo. So let's get to it with some news. First up, Marvel appears to have cast their Namor for the MCU. We've heard for the better part of two years that Namor, a.k.a. the Submariner, may be the antagonist for the second Black Panther movie. But then the tragic and untimely passing of actor Chadwick Boseman caused massive changes in the film's direction. We now know that the film is officially titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and the sequel is set to begin production next month. The role of Namor has been heavily rumored to be given to Mexican actor Tinoch Huerta. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. And He may not be an A-lister in American cinema, but if you look at his IMDb page, he has approximately 68 credits to his name. He's perhaps most notably portrayed the legendary pro wrestler Blue Demon, or Blue Demon Sr. if you follow the wrestling world, in the series of the same name. And Namor is really... One of the oldest characters in the Marvel Universe, he first appeared in Marvel Comics number 1. So we're talking back before Marvel appeared as a publisher. We're talking the comic called Marvel Comics that was published by Timely Comics in 1939. So he is literally one of the oldest characters, not just in Marvel, but really in, in all of comics. Because we're talking around the time of you know, Batman and Superman still being new to the scene. And he was worked into the Marvel Universe, I believe, sometime in the the 60s when Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were working all their magic for, for Marvel then. But this will be the first time, to my knowledge, that we will be getting a live-action Namor. He's been in animated adaptions. He's teamed up with and fought against just about everybody in the Marvel Universe. Because remember, Namor is not really a hero in the traditional sense of the word. At best, he's probably anti-hero. And the rumored story for Black Panther 2 forever... Again, before, unfortunately, we lost Chadwick Boseman, the rumor was that Namor was going to bring Atlantis to war with Wakanda. And that is something that did happen in the comics. And this is after Namor was well-established in the Marvel Universe and had teamed with heroes and such. So we'll probably get some form of the Atlantis versus Wakanda war, but somehow at the end they will have their differences kind of put out on the table, and then by the time the movie's over, we'll probably have them at least as uneasy allies. We won't necessarily have Namor as a, as a hero, but he'll stop wanting to invade Wakanda. Now, whether they have Namor be part of kind of that Illuminati-level characters like Xavier and Doctor Strange and Tony Stark and all that, that would remain to be seen, but it would not surprise me at all if they go in that direction. Now, moving on to trailers, Marvel did release a second Shang-Chi trailer that has some cameos, and it gives us a little bit of the film's plot. 
the trailer has its obligatory action teases with voiceovers by the character. And as the trailer unfolds, you do hear Wenwu say, Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave us our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you will have to show me that you're strong enough to carry them. And we hear Zhang Nan, again, hopefully I'm saying that right. You are a product of all who came before you, the legacy of your family. You are your mother, and whether you like it or not, you are also your father. Wenwu says, I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. Shang-Chi responds with, you're just a criminal who murders people. And Wenwu replies, be careful how you speak to me, boy. I thought I could change my name, start a new life, but I could never escape his shadow. Now, we do see some quick action sequences, like I said. At the 126 mark, you see what looks like a big freaking lion casting somebody aside. We see an underwater dragon, which I can only imagine would be some form of Fin Fang Foom, whether they call him that or not. I can see the name Fin Fang Foom not really working on a big budget movie. And then the scene at the end that has just about everybody talking is we do see Abomination in some sort of battle with Wong. And not just it being a battle, it looks like it's like some sort of underground pit fighting competition or something like that. Like this this is something that is done for sport or entertainment. It's not something that is done like on a battlefield. And the trailer ends with Shang-Chi exclaiming, isn't this what you wanted? And they lock into battle with their respective powers. Now, as expected, Wenwu is the name given in the film for the villain that is known as the Mandarin in the comics. And the Mandarin, he was teased all the way back in the first MCU movie in 2008, Iron Man. They had that whole Ten Rings reference with the terrorists that were holding Tony, and we were thinking we were getting Mandarin then. And with Abomination, it's probably just coincidence, but he was also last seen in 2008 in The Incredible Hulk. Now, for those that don't know about Shang-Chi, he has been a character in the Marvel Universe for some time. I think he first popped up sometime in the 70s. And kind of like Iron Fist, I think he was inspired by the Kung Fu movies of their time. And at the time, Marvel had the rights to the villain Dr. Fu Manchu, who is a character that goes back, I think, to the late 1800s, I want to say. And Marvel made Shang-Chi the son of Fu Manchu. Well, they don't have the rights to Fu Manchu anymore, so... They retconned Shang-Chi's origin to be that he is the Mandarin's son. And so that will certainly explain why he's reforming who he is, because the Mandarin being one of the biggest enemies of Iron Man, kind of the whole magic versus tech type thing. It'll be interesting to see how they play that, especially since, assuming this is doesn't take place in 2008, assuming that this is post-Avengers Endgame, it'll be interesting to see how it develops without Tony being around. Now, the second trailer I want to talk about is the Snake Eyes trailer. Now, we talked about Snake Eyes a little bit a couple weeks back. Paramount did release a, a brief trailer last month, but this is our first full-blown trailer that was released, and it finally gave us a look at the plot as well as the characters. As some geeks may remember, Paramount released two G.I. Joe movies to a mixed response. There was The Rise of Cobra in 2009, I want to say, and then 2013 was G.I. Joe Retaliation. This movie is the first in what Paramount hopes will be a successful reboot of the franchise. Several classic characters can be seen in the trailer, most notably Scarlet and Baroness. Now, by the looks of the trailer, Snake Eyes is working at a seafood butcher shop, and then his friend Storm Shadow apparently is caught up with a mob, and Snake Eyes is called upon to execute him, but instead Snake Eyes helps him escape. And Storm Shadow then enlists Snake Eyes into his ninja clan, and then somewhere along the way, Scarlet and Baroness cross their paths. That's at least what we can see from the trailer. 
And obviously, I do not expect them to give the whole plot away in the trailer. I think there's going to be something a lot deeper here. We did get some scenes of the Ninja Clan. I'm assuming it's the Rashikage Clan. That's what it was originally in the comics. Because I think a lot of older fans like myself, we look more towards the comics as being the lore, the comics that Larry Hammer wrote, rather than the TV show. Because the TV show really didn't have much in the way of lore. It, it was just the cookie cutter problem of the week, a Cobra plot of the week, or day type storytelling. You, you could watch episodes in any order, and it, it really wouldn't matter. Now, as far as the origin goes for Snake Eyes in the 80s, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but it is a bit different. There's plenty of room for a modern take that would have these similarities, because in the original origin, both Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow were Vietnam veterans, because you got to remember, this is like 83 or 84. So we were only about 10 years removed from the end of the Vietnam War. So it was very easy to have people that would be in their physical prime that were still Vietnam vets. But anyway, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, and Stalker were all part of the same unit during the Vietnam War. And after the war, Snake Eyes joined Storm Shadow into the Arashikage Ninja Clan. And Snake Eyes actually shows better fighting skills than Storm Shadow. And that gains him some favor from the clan leader, the Hardmaster, who is Storm Shadow's uncle. So Snake Eyes is doing better than the Hardmaster's own family here. But it's also worth mentioning that Storm Shadow, at this point, his name is Tommy Arashikage. That's where the whole Arashikage clan comes from. So Tommy is actually better with the bow and arrow than Snake Eyes is. But Snake Eyes is better with the up-close and personal weapons. But at some point, the Hardmaster is training snake eyes like doing a one-on-one training session and then an assassin's bow kills the hard master now it was believed that storm shadow was the assassin because he was seen running away but tommy's defense was that he was chasing after who he thought might be the real killer and the hard master himself went on record as saying he did not think tommy it was tommy's arrow even though it was one of Tommy's arrows, he didn't believe Tommy was, was killing him. This is like his dying breaths as he's saying this. However, the hard master's brother, the soft master, and yes, I know this means that there might be a medium master somewhere around. I know there's going to be a blind master in the movie, but the soft master believed that Tommy was the assassin, but he was trying to kill Snake Eyes out of jealousy because Snake Eyes was getting better than him. And that, that I do want to correct myself with that because the last episode that we talked Snake Eyes on, I believe I said that Snake Eyes was framed for the murder. And I don't think that's the case. I think it was just mistaken identity. And Storm Shadow joining Cobra on the surface seemed like it was being Snake Eyes' rival. But Storm Shadow later explained that he actually joined Cobra to infiltrate Cobra and find out who the real assassin was. Because obviously Tommy knows that he didn't kill the Hard Master. He becomes Storm Shadow, joins Cobra to find the real killer, who in the comics, spoiler alert, is Zartan. So the bitter rivalry that came between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow actually stemmed from Storm Shadow essentially joining the bad guys, but in reality, he was joining the bad guys to track down and get revenge for the death of his uncle by killing Zartan. But no matter what happens, it's a pretty safe bet that this movie will end with Snake Eyes disfigured, and his old friend Storm Shadow will be a sworn enemy by the time the movie's over. We'll also, since I know we're getting Scarlet, we do see Scarlet, we do see Baroness, and in the comics, Snake Eyes has a long history with Scarlet. They're essentially the big ship. They're, they're the big relationship. They're the, the love couple, so to speak, which really kind of stems from Scarlet trying to train recruits, and she's doing 
the sparring, essentially the combat tests, and she's just mopping the floor with all these male recruits. She's just handily beating them all. And then she tries to spar with Snake Eyes and beats him, but she's smart enough to tell that Snake Eyes is letting her win. And that kind of sparks their chemistry, so to speak. It's what gets her to start talking to him. And there was a helicopter crash, and Snake Eyes basically saved Scarlet's life, but at the cost of his own face getting horribly burned and irreparable. And hence why he wears the mask the entire time. So we're still probably going to get some measure of that, I'm pretty sure. We're going to get Snake Eyes disfigured. He's going to save Scarlet's life. There's going to be the romance between them. And we're going to get Storm Shadow appearing as the bad guy. It's a pretty safe bet that that's probably what's going to happen. One other thing of interest here is the actor, Henry Golden, who's playing Snake Eyes, hinted that there could be at least two more movies that could be made out of this one. Now, given that we have Baroness, it would stand to reason that Destro isn't too far behind because they're always linked to each other, really both in the cartoons and the, and the comics back in the day. Stalker is not credited in the film, and while that doesn't mean he won't appear at all, it would seem to imply that he's not a factor in this version of the story. I, I'd like to see Stalker. I think he's that type of character that would be a good supporting character. I'm not sure St- Stalker could float his own movie, but if you made him alongside Snake Eyes, because Stalker's one of Snake Eyes' oldest friends, that, that could definitely work. And hey, it's also possible that Storm Shadow could take center stage in his own movie, where, where it's him tracking down the Hardmaster's killer. And Paramount's also been rumored to be developing the new G.I. Joe films to be in the same shared universe as Transformers. So we, we would eventually get them in the same movie. Now, even if that doesn't happen, there will probably still be a full-fledged G.I. Joe versus Cobra film, maybe kind of in the vein of Avengers, where they have these origin films individually, and then they bring everybody that were in their own movies together to make the big G.I. Joe Cobra film. But either way, we have a little less than four weeks to wait, because as of this recording, Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origin is set for July 23rd. Now, the last trailer I'd like to talk about I'm not going to take nearly as much time because there's already been several trailers to begin with, and that is the Suicide Squad trailer. This is, of course, the sequel to the 2016 film. And while previous trailers mainly teased the characters, this one delves more into the plot. I'm also going to link a video in the show notes, which you can find at geekvilleradio.com slash 287, that has commentary from James Gunn himself talking about each of the characters. But it's pretty clear that the villain in some capacity is going to be Starro. And he's the, basically a big giant alien starfish who has other alien starfish as minions. That's really the best way I can explain it. Obviously, we got Harley Quinn back. We got Rick Flagg back. Uh, we still have Amanda Waller. And I do think Viola Davis is perfect for Amanda Waller because the scene where Bloodsport essentially has the pen to her neck and she doesn't flinch. That's that's Amanda Waller. I also can't help but think that the movie was made with Deadshot in mind, because there seems to be a lot in common with how Bloodsport is being portrayed in this movie and how Deadshot was portrayed in the first one, because you still got the estranged daughter. That was a factor in the first one. I thought Will Smith did a great job with that. So I don't know if it was a matter of them not getting Will Smith, and rather than recasting Deadshot, they went with the Bloodsport character. But either way, Idris Elba is a perfect actor for it. If you want somebody who can believably shoot Superman, Idris Elba is your man. He, he, he's certainly believable that he would have the marksmanship to pull that off. But seeing some of the stuff like 
again, saying on the Starro and how Weasel's acting in his commentary, James Gunn said he kind of modeled Weasel after Bill the Cat from Bloom County. That looks like it's at least going to be fun. We're still going to have to wait several years before we get Guardians 3. So maybe as far as the goofy heist film, this will take the place of where Guardians 3 would be. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into my thoughts on Loki and the Bad Batch. This is Geekville Radio, and we will be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Attention all time lords and ladies. This message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite time lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekvilleRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, we are back diving into Loki here. We are three episodes in, essentially at the halfway point, and I've really been enjoying the series. I I can see why it's been getting the positive feedback that it has been. The chemistry between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson is awesome. There hasn't really been that much action in it that you might expect coming from a, a Marvel show, but quite frankly... The fact that these are so many episodes, I can see why they'd have episodes with more character building in mind than, than just all-out action. Although the, the sequence at the end of the third episode, where Loki and Sylvie are trying to make their way towards the arc, and it was all done like it was one shot, that that was pretty impressive there. It, it's definitely clear that, especially with the name Sylvie, that the villain, this variant Loki, is modeled after... Enchantress, because one of the Enchantresses in the comics did have the name Sylvie. And, you know, Loki was female for a while. You know, they, I, I forget if it was a spell cast or whatever, but both, I believe at one point, both Loki and Thor had been magically changed to become both female. And I, I forget how that was resolved. Around. It, was, it was a time where I was kind of off and on on comics. But it does seem like the MCU Sylvie is like an amalgam of Lady Loki and Enchantress. Now, she does tell Loki that the TVA agents are variants themselves. And let's face it, if she is a Loki, Loki lies. He's the god of lies. I actually would not be surprised at all if both of these characters have been lying to each other the whole time, because it's just it what it's what Loki does. Everything Loki says and everything Loki does is for one purpose, and that's for Loki to get what he wants, period. I know people look at Avengers Endgame as being kind of his redemption, and maybe to an extent Ragnarok, and me personally, I I wouldn't agree with that, simply because Loki doesn't want to lose. Thanos was the bigger threat at the time, and if Thanos wins, Loki loses. So of course Loki will ally with some heroes to avoid getting destroyed himself. It's all going to suit his purposes. And I know I get the part of it is that Tom Hiddleston is very charming 
in the role, and quite frankly, Loki's a very charming character. He's supposed to be, since he's the god of mischief. How can you bring about much mischief if you're not charming in the first place? So I fully expect Loki in the end to be in it for himself. There might be some sort of twist that maybe the Loki that you see die in Endgame wasn't the same one, that somehow he was able to make something happen to get out of doing that, and then we're free to have Loki season two because we know we're getting a season two. But those are just speculations. Those are predictions. I'll even go on record. My my record for these MCU TV shows has not been the best, but that's what I think. Loki is essentially going to do a double cross or triple cross or whatever. We're going to get the villain apprehended at the end, but Loki's still going to have his own way out where he can still be Loki. I, I do not expect him to have any real sorts of redemption at the end of the story because that's just not that just wouldn't be Loki, quite frankly. The other show I'd like to talk about is The Bad Batch, which is also playing on Disney+. And anybody that knows me knows how much I love The Clone Wars and all the new life it brought into the prequel era. And The Bad Batch has everything that was great about Clone Wars, but yet it has so much new stuff, it doesn't feel like Clone Wars Season 8. And I, I love all the Bad Batch characters. I mean, yeah, yeah Hunter is definitely a takeoff of Rambo. And Wrecker is the the heavy, and Tech is the genius, and then Echo, I guess, is, you know, communications is his big thing. But it was almost exactly what I was hoping for, and that's basically a team in space. The biggest mystery to me is why is Omega so good at everything? And I know there were people speculating that maybe she was Force-sensitive, because we know cloning Force-sensitive beings is something the Empire is going to look at, since obviously... We now know, like it or not, with Rise of Skywalker, Snoke was a clone. And in Mandalorian, it looks like they were trying to clone Grogu, or at least use some of that DNA to bring about Palpatine clones or Snoke clones or or whatever. I just figured that Omega simply had all of the abilities that each member of the team had, meaning Hunter's planning ability, Crosshair's shooting ability, Tech's knack with, with, well, Tech... Wrecker's fighting ability, and, uh, well, I guess there wouldn't be anything with Echo, because Echo's not a specialized clone. He's more machine than man. I thought that's why she was so special, but we'll, we'll see. We do know that she is a direct clone of Django, unfiltered, so to speak. She doesn't have the aging rate that most other clones do, so she is effectively the exact same as Boba Fett, only female. And here's the big prediction that I will have for the future. This isn't going to be for Bad Batch. I think this is what's going to happen in the Book of Boba Fett when it airs. I think it's going to be the end of this year. There's going to be the surprise twist somewhere along the line for Boba Fett. At the end of that series, we're going to get some rival character duking it out with Boba Fett. She's going to take off her helmet, and it's Omega Fett, for lack of a better name. Omega Fett does kind of work for me at least. So I think we're going to get an adult Omega Fett in the Book of Boba Fett in some capacity. But I definitely would like to know what you people think. I definitely want to thank you for listening to this show, and I hope I didn't bore you too much with me going solo here. I know it's the show is a lot more fun when, when Train's around, but I think he will be back in the Geekville radio airwaves sooner rather than later. If you're listening to us for the first time, this is Geekville Radio. GeekvilleRadio.com is kind of the home base for all the podcasts. It's also where you'll see a lot of the news that we talk about. We put it out in written form there as well. You can respond to any post there at geekvilleradio.com. 
We also have Geekville Radio on Facebook and at Twitter, creatively at Geekville Radio. We are on all the major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, just do a search for Geekville Radio and you will find us. And We also have a sister site, Classic Wrestling Memories. If you are into the pro wrestling world, we have a show there where Trey and myself talk about the old school classic days of yore when it comes to the pro wrestling world. So drop us a line, give us a review, give us a follow. The only thing I ask whenever you review any of our shows, the only thing that I ask is just be honest. Now, if, if you think there's something bad about the show that you'd like to see done better, let us know about it. I would rather hear something genuinely negative than falsely positive. But of course, if you want to tell us what we're doing well and what you like, absolutely, I'd love to hear that as well. So until next time, I'm going to shut down the power here in the Geek for Radio studios. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. And since Sylvester Stallone is the voice of King Shark in Suicide Squad, I really hope there's an Adrian character just so King Shark can yell, Yo, Adrian. <laughs>